Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. It's the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Whether you're a pro athlete, an exhausted parent, or you spend all day in an office chair, CBDMD wants to give you the support you need to make it through the day. CBD Freeze and Recover are an outstanding tool of topical products with specialized formulas to provide targeted relief where it matters most and to make it even easier to try Freeze, Recover, and every other CBDMD product. You can take 25% off your next order when you use the promo code NBA at checkout. Once again, that's CBDMD.com, promo code NBA for 25% off your purchase of superior CBD products from CBDMD. All right, welcome on. We have much to discuss here uh, on Hollinger and Duncan today. First, uh, the G League Ignite played their first game i didn't get a chance to see it but john did i wanted to just get his impressions on the overall format uh, and then we also have to finish up our rankings of which teams we'd want to be a fan of also pick which teams we think are most likely to move up or down or which teams have the most variation going forward and then continuing our tradition ruling a team out of the playoffs each of us will and, and we will give a little bit of a post-mortem on, on the season for these teams which i'm sure their fan base appreciates uh, as we are now like one third of the way through the exactly. season uh but yeah let's talk about this g league ignite i was gonna watch the game a little bit later today it just finished up actually and for those who don't know this is the nba's attempt to provide an alternative to college basketball actually pay these players are coached by brian shaw based in walnut creek just east of oakland also provide an alternative to going to the australian league and some pretty hefty contracts given out and the league wants to kind of provide an avenue for top five picks so what were your initial impressions of what this whole thing looked like as we went into this g league bubble in orlando yeah so i would say mostly positive uh a couple of the things i worried about uh coming into this were how this ignite team would be relative to other teams in the league that could sign players essentially to their g league team or assign first round picks or or two ways or other players who might be expected to be among the best players in the g league and so how would how would a team that essentially assigned a bunch of veterans around a bunch of 18 year olds be able to compete at that level and on, on that score, I thought they did pretty well. I mean, they beat a Santa Cruz team that had two act, active NBA players playing for them, and Jordan Poole and Nico Mannion uh, had Jeremy Lin on their roster. Um, like, it they, they should be a decent to good G League team. And G League Ignite beat them. And it didn't seem fluky at all, like, you know, and they were playing real basketball. And I think it's going to be good for these for these players uh, to be in this system for Jonathan Kaminga, Jalen Green, Isaiah Todd, Dacian Nix to be in this system. 
Yeah, and I think maybe one thing that's kind of cool is that it seems like they've been together practicing for much longer than these other G League teams. It's it's been really kind of rushed getting guys into the bubble, signing guys. Some NBA teams don't even have a team. They're assigning players to other teams in this bubble. So maybe despite the fact that they have these 18-year-olds, maybe they're a little bit more prepared to play than the teams they're going against. Yeah, that could be. It's going to be interesting to see how, as this uh, project goes on over these coming weeks, if they if they have an advantage that they, they that they then lose, or do they gain ground as these teenagers get more experience playing against grown men? Yeah, because that's the, the big concern was you get these guys in there and they're not going to look good enough, right? Like that they'd be better off going to college because they can showcase their skills. They're not going up against other players. And that despite the fact that they may actually be getting a better quote unquote education and more preparation to succeed when they're drafted, that they just the optics aren't as good and therefore their draft position could fall but i say i mean we don't need to get into the specific guys we only saw one game here but did it look like these guys were overwhelmed or did it look like they're going to be able to compete and showcase and look good in this environment i mean the guys all look like they belonged on the court right there there wasn't any case where you saw a guy and you're like whoa like he's like this dude shouldn't be out here so i i thought that was really encouraging and i think from the nba's perspective it's much easier to compare apples to apples watching these guys play with basically NBA rules in an NBA system uh, you, you get a much better feel. I think everyone knows how to calibrate going from G League to the NBA in terms of certain things they see uh, people who have worked in the league have done that enough to have at least a decent idea and then the, the only thing that's different is we haven't had teenage prodigies really playing in the G League so that, that's the one thing that's maybe a little different how did they handle the mix of playing with these vets? For those who don't know, they're players like Jared Jack, for example, players who maybe are trying to get back to the league, but also are maybe trying to transition into more of a coaching situation, but are, are good vets, good mentors, but they're playing as well. How did they handle the mix of playing time and roles with those guys compared to the prospects? So they... they- I mean, they distributed the minutes pretty evenly today, and it it didn't seem like a big issue because, say, so their their most veteran guys were Bobby Brown and Jared Jack, who both played point guard. So those guys alternated minutes, right? Uh, but Kaminga and Green started and played the majority of the game, and then Nicks and Todd came off the bench and were essentially coming in, uh, you know, for like an eighteen minute shift, like a regular sort of rotation guy shift. So. It, it, there wasn't anything really uh, questionable happening with that. Yeah. It, it, did it seem like they're like trying to win the game or showcase these players? Uh, I think it was more trying to win the game. Like Green and Kaminga started because I think they generally thought those were two of their best five players. Yeah. And also those are those are the real like premium prospects. Those are the yeah. guys who might go in the top five. Todd and Nick's, uh, I'm you're no better than I do where they're kind of projected, but they're not considered potential future stars. And so I, I think there's going to be, those guys are going to play. Like the really good guys, I think, are, are always going to play regardless. But it also seems like from what you're saying that they deserve to be out there. Yeah, yeah. I think where 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 you could run into this a little more is if you have if you have somebody who's really who's really struggling and they're I I think given their mission, a guy like that is gonna play fifteen minutes no matter what. Yeah. 
No, and that's how it should, I mean, that's how it should be on any G League team as well, right? If you really have someone that you want to develop, like the point of the entire G League, not just this Ignite team, is actually to develop players. And so- oh, I mean, I mean, we've certainly done the same thing, and everyone who's worked in the league has, where we send a guy down to the G League and basically tell the coach, "This dude's playing thirty minutes," and you know, unless something, unless he does something completely horrible, where you have to like punish him by benching him. But if he if he misses three shots in a row, he's staying in the game. You know what I mean? And yeah. and you know, communicate that pretty clearly what the expectation is. So to, to me, this is kind of no different than that. Well, all right. Anything else that, that stuck out to you, or should we move on here? I think we can move on. I I, I do think it, it did just just visually. I mean, it looked kind of a lot like the NBA bubble, which I guess we could have expected. And I I just thought it went off pretty well today. Well, all right, let's now get into then the continuation of our little series here, a two-parter on who we would most want to be a fan of. Uh, go back and listen to last week's. You wanted to hear some of the criteria that we're using, but basically to reiterate, this is who we would want to be a fan of personally over the next five years. So whether it's wins, stars, watchable players, prospects, and then the probability of improving or declining the performance and management and coaching, obviously, if you have faith in those six in it as well. So uh, the team I want to start with here, we kind of finished a little, we did a little more than half the league last time. Yeah. I don't think either of us had the Toronto Raptors in the top half of the league. I, I know I didn't. I had them at number 19. What about I you? think I had them exactly 15th. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, they're a tough one because well-managed, have a core of, like, pretty good guys in their 20s, but nothing nothing really coming up. It does seem like the, the championship is already behind them, and that was sort of the pinnacle moment for any Raptor fan, right? So what's what's ahead of you now? Uh, you're not getting... Giannis, uh, Masai might leave in a year. Although I would say the the management that is there, that like they've built up a good bench in their front office. So yeah, I yeah. I don't think that's necessarily catastrophic at this point. Yeah, they um, just extended Bobby Webster as well. Yeah, yeah. So Ananobi, Siakam, Van Vliet, that's probably a pretty good team. I just, I just don't know what else they can add to that mixture at this point. They're going to have to be pretty creative. Uh, now, they have the coaching in the front office to maybe have that creativity happen. You, you know, maybe they're able to pull off another deal, you know, the way they did for, for Kawhi somehow or, or do something at a lower level that at least pushes them forward again. But it's they're definitely facing a, a somewhat challenging scenario. So I... I don't know. I, I felt like it wasn't depressing, but it was more not super optimistic at the same time. Yeah. Well, if they would just play Paul Watson more, they would really jump up the ranking. <laughs> but apparently, apparently that's not a, in the don't, cards. You're going for you to Watanabe's minutes, and we're, we're going to have a problem if this continues. Yeah. Uh, he might have a problem if he can't shoot more than 30% on, on two pointers. Just just kidding. Yeah. I actually, I've enjoyed uh, the, the way that he's played. He's, he's been a, a really smart player. I like the way he competes. He's like a good kind of connector type of guy. But I think a lot of this just comes down to what your perspective is. I think you might even say, John, that of all the teams going forward here over the next two or three years, once you get four or five years out, I think it's it's a fool's errand to try and predict. But we might have the best idea of what the Raptors are going to be over the next two or three years. And it's just how do you evaluate that? 
We think so. I mean, the the one wild card is, I mean, they are still pretty well set up to make trades to get another piece. Yeah. And Toronto is a team, they're not going to be at the top of anyone's list, but I do think they are a place where star players will accept being traded there. And so they have that variable in, in their corner still. But that's an unlikely scenario, you have to think. Why did, What uh, assets do they have that makes you think they would be in a position to trade for a star? Uh, Siakam? It's, I mean, they have Ananobi, Siakam, Van Vliet under contract, yes. Um, and then they, I mean, they still basically retain their draft picks. And so they can, they still have the ability to make these trades that other teams have already made. So they, they, they haven't, they haven't burned their, burned through their asset pile is, is I guess my main point. And they have, you know, they've set themselves up with flexibility, with lots of expirings. They, they've given themselves the ability to do different things if the opportunity comes up. Well, to me, I think their greatest variability is more internal. Just look at the guys that they have now. Fred Van Vliet was undrafted. Siakam was, what, 27th, 28th uh, yeah. in, in 2016. And Inobi was 23rd. Mm-hmm. Not 24th, much to the Denver Nuggets chagrin as they then yes. selected uh, Tyler Lydon. Uh, but so if they can just create some more of the, you know, Norman Powell is the 46th pick, you get another couple of players in there because some of their problem has just been not having enough guys this year. If they yeah. can just find some more of those gems in the way that they have, when we talked about it last year, we said they're one of the top two or three developmental organizations in basketball. That to me is where these guys might have a little bit of an opportunity to move up, but still generally, I mean, you can get, you might even get a Pascal Siakam with that, but Siakam isn't, you know, despite last year, probably not an all NBA level player, neither is Van Fleet. So, uh, you know, you, I kind of think they're going to be in between like 500 and the fourth seed, you know, the eighth yeah. and the fourth seed for the next like three or four years. And just, it's a question of, do they blow it up or just kind of stick with that? And we already won our championship and everyone likes these guys. So let's just, you know, keep winning some games. Uh, I, but I, it's hard to see, you, you kind of know what you're getting and maybe for me at least like i kind of like a little bit of variability and like let's see what's going to happen here like toronto i felt just pretty secure this year about what they were they underperformed a little bit but most of their good guys have been about what you'd expect yeah there's you're you're right you don't see a ton of variability it's just kind of a known you you know you're getting something decent to good you just the high end outcomes just don't really seem to be there yeah but having at least already won a championship that's a little bit different than you know your early 2010s atlanta hawks type of teams um so yeah i think we're in relative agreement on them um who else i, I mean i'm kind of down in the that they were my 19th overall team i i did, uh yeah did Go we ahead. talk about san antonio no they are uh i have them in this next tier my tier five that i kind of i kind of characterize this as teams that have some young guys that are decent but still need some more pieces and they don't really have a special asset although one of these teams may be moving out of there soon we'll get to that team but okay um yeah let's let's talk about san antonio i mean i have them in this tier 19 to 24 which despite the fact that they they have like some nice young guys but they don't have a star and it's just it's hard to see what their path is with the current roster to get much above just mid-tier kind of how they're playing this year I would more or less agree with that. I guess I was slightly more optimistic on them. Uh, I felt like they were bringing bringing enough guys along that they that they were positioning themselves to potentially do bigger things. 
I mean, they're they're looking at having like 50 million in cap room or close to it. I mean, I know in San Antonio, cap room doesn't get you as far as some other places. But I, I just think they have the flexibility now to do some different things. They they have some good-ish young players. I don't I agree with your assessment. I don't know if any of them are good enough to be one of the three best players on a good team. That's that's really the the issue there. Maybe Derek White, maybe Devin Vassell becomes that, but that that's probably that's probably the biggest reason to not be that excited. And then I would say the succession issue looms over them too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you don't know what's going to happen with Greg Popovich and it, although perhaps his departure could lead to maybe a little bit more of a recalibration as far as getting higher in the draft. Um, you know, you don't, DeMar DeRozan has still been pretty good for them. You don't know what's going to happen with him. Aldridge, it looks like he's about done now uh, and he's 35. So he's probably not really, really part of this either. And, you know, I haven't been, you know, they still have succeeded with this drafting at the end of the first round with, with a lot of these guys, but I also have not been particularly impressed by like the creativity of, uh, Brian, Right and company since you know rc buford kind of moved into another role in 16 17 that range and the out of organization transactions that they've made i i think have been pretty poor since then mm-hmm. yeah i mean they it's i mean they hardly make any out of organization transactions i mean that's been right. <laughs> that's been their history right uh yeah, so it's but like be- they signed like pau gasol which yeah they, know, they, they, really they, they, yeah sense. the like gasol move was a mistake yeah, clearly. Yeah, the, there's a, you know a few of those sorts. Of, I mean, the the Kawhi trade I thought was entirely underwhelming to prioritize DeRozan instead of getting more assets. I mean, these guys yeah. would look a lot better if they had just traded Kawhi to the Lakers for the, the package that eventually became AD or close to that. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's just it's hard to argue. Maybe the Spurs should be hired because you at least know they're going to be competent and they have some young guys. Or I really I enjoy some of the role players they have they just if they could get a star then they would be really dangerous because they have all these great young role players but they you kind of need a star in the nba that's that's kind of the theme of this group here and another one that i would put in there as well would be uh, the chicago bulls I think they're kind of right in that same range. I, I would probably put them below San Antonio at yeah. this point, just because San Antonio at least is competent. And, you know, I like several of the players that San Antonio has more than Chicago. And I, I mean, I, maybe Chicago part of it is what you think of Zach Levine, but he's only got a year and a half left on his contract now. And he's kind of, he's kind of like the new age Monte Ellis in some ways scores a lot, <laughs> but you know, unclear. And, and people complain when it doesn't make the all-star game. <laughs> Yeah, kind of unclear. And and now, to Levine's credit, he does hit threes off the dribble. He hasn't really been in a competent ecosystem. They've actually been like an above-average offense at times this season. The defense has really fallen off. Mm -hmm. So maybe he deserves a little bit more credit than he gets, but you're still you're it's he's not gonna be like if he's your best player not making the playoffs i think you could feel pretty secure about that yeah i would i would agree with that i had i had chicago in the 20s um for a lot of the same reasons you mentioned uh i think there's there's a little more optimism just that a chicago team with a clean cap maybe has a chance to get get some things done in free agency yeah uh, and then they do have, you know, Patrick Williams. You can at least talk yourself into some high-end outcomes. The other thing I think that would be really interesting for them, and part of why I wasn't as high on the Spurs, is the Spurs are kind of stuck in the middle here. And, mm-hmm. you know, maybe the new draft rules will give you a chance to move up anyway. But for Chicago, I actually think with these injuries to Carter and Markinen, and they they are one of the few teams I think that could move on from some veterans like Sadoransky and Thad Young and 
Garrett Temple, you know, there, Woj was reporting yesterday that there's a frustration that there just aren't players that are going to be available on the market. And I think Chicago, if they're realistic, yeah, they might even make the play-in potentially if they really push hard. But you're not going to beat Atlanta or Toronto or Indiana or wh- whoever that 7th or 8th seed is going to be. You're not going to beat them twice in a row unless you just really get lucky. So yeah. why push for the play-in? And I think I was talking about this with Tim Bontemps yesterday. I think there's a lot of value in potentially zagging right now and actually trying to sell off those pieces they've got two of their best young players out anyway you know making the 10th seed on the back of Thaddeus Young who's 32 years old like what does that do for you um and I and I'm hopeful that Arturis has the kind of creativity and the mandate from ownership to go in that direction that you know his having some new ownership or or uh, new blood in at GM is maybe a reason for optimism so if the Bulls could kind of go in the opposite direction get themselves another top five pick here and then you've got Williams and you know Kobe White's okay Levine maybe yeah. one of the two young bigs is good you add another piece and then maybe it starts to get more intriguing for them yeah add a free agent or two on top of that too yeah 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 the, their cap space this summer they are looking at about 30 million if they were to move on from Thad Young and Sadaransky, um, who have non guarantees. But I, I actually, John, that's another great reason to trade those guys is because you also get some cap space by trading them, which you don't if you, you know, presumably you'd want to trade them for expiring contracts or you take back something bad and maybe get a, another asset as well. But if you want to try to, you know, maybe get into the restricted free agent market this year or something, you kind of need to move on from those guys. So it, it all it all makes so much sense sense to me yeah but uh you know we'll, we'll see they also have larry Markinen's 20 million dollar cap hold if uh they decide not to do that they could have 50 million in space. yeah i think that's a really interesting decision i think they should be taking calls on him figuring fi- figuring out which which way they want to go there yeah last year we did a segment on who are the most confounding players to us and Markin was among <laughs> them and right uh, up there yeah and uh you know what He's, I still have no fucking clue. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, part of that is just because he, he can't stay healthy. If you're finding yourself feeling like you've watched every piece of media that's out there at this point in the pandemic, I highly recommend that you give Masterclass a try. My wife loves it. She's done Margaret Atwood's awesome writing class. There's Steph Curry on shooting and ball handling, Serena Williams on tennis, tons of cooking classes with great downloadable materials that are just as good as a high-end cookbook but come with fantastic video lessons. These lessons are about 10 to 15 minutes in length, so you can fit them in every day if you want to. And you can either just watch the videos, learn more, kind of go the polymath route, or you can really get into something. Use Masterclass as your start to become a true expert with all the downloadable materials, the exercises that come with these classes. And right now you can get unlimited access to every masterclass with 15% off an annual membership as a Hollinger and Duncan listener. Go to masterclass.com slash PR. Easy to remember slash PR because John invented it. That's masterclass.com slash PR for 15% off on masterclass. So I've been out in Montana for the last month watching basketball games at night trying to get a couple hours of skiing in during the day and this is the first time I've ever done this much skiing on consecutive days really trying to get better at this sport late in life don't ask for the videos I'm not very good but the one thing that's been able to keep me going is Theragun those of you who have been on the slopes know that you just use a bunch of different muscles that you don't really use anywhere else uh, when you're skiing or snowboarding my wife uses it as well and so when you get that soreness break out the Theragun we've got the gen 4 with that beautiful oled screen 
it's super quiet and for my money it's better than getting a massage and it's also way easier and way less expensive as well i've been using it for about a year now and whether it's weightlifting my wife's trail running snow sports or just soreness from sitting at your desk all day the theragun is the best thing that i know to get rid of it make you feel fresher the way to get started with them and to try it for 30 days starting at only 199 dollars go to theragun.com slash per right now use remember slash per because john invented that you can get your gen 4 theragun today at theragun.com slash per that's theragun.com slash per um all right what's another team that you have in this range that we should talk about uh cleveland yeah this is another team where their early success this year was kind of based on this defense that was forcing a billion turnovers and that was you know it wasn't darius garland and colin sexton who were making that happen right and yeah uh you know larry nance is out now they're another team that maybe could start going uh the opposite direction they're down to 10 and 15 now but it, you feel like it, dan gilbert has some uh some aspirations of making the playoffs you would think um or at least making the play and kind of setting the narrative that things yeah. are going well i guess i mean it really though ultimately comes down to they have like this kind of four-man core now of garland sexton okoro and jared allen with uh, another few pieces like dylan windler but it kind of comes down to what do you think of those guys what are they going to evolve into what do you think of that uh i'm still a little lukewarm on that uh sex sex has definitely been better i mean sexton is probably the most gilbert arenas like player since gilbert arenas he's just not nearly as good as gilbert arenas was right now uh yeah. because he he just i mean the passing just isn't there um and defensively he's not he's shooting still, any threes lately either which is kind of weird i mean cleveland's good. whole yeah. cleveland's whole team just stopped shooting threes which is bizarre um Well, I mean, considering who their coach is, it's not entirely bizarre. Although, I, to, to his credit, actually, he had a, a very good quote about the idea of Darius Garland taking floaters and, like, why that's yeah. a good shot yeah. or not. I, I mean, I, I'm not saying – it may just be more that he thinks that this is the way to win with this group than that he doesn't believe in three-pointers. But And it's not like the Memphis teams that he coached were big three-point shooting teams. But uh, I, I do think J, JB has a little bit more of an old-school style, but he also <laughs> gets – old school yeah. results uh, yeah, as well. I, I, would, I would say that's an apt description. So, I mean, let's say these guys, that four-man core continues to develop at a normal type of rate. What do you see that evolving into? You know, can can Sexton-Garland be an above-average backcourt combo? I guess I, I have more questions about... Like what is Garland, especially next to Sexton? I, I I would I would love to see like Lonzo Ball next to Sexton. I think would be really interesting. Like a big guard yeah. who can pass and take some of the tougher defensive assignments. Uh, th- that to me would be a little more interesting. And then you know Garland's maybe your third guard who comes in. Uh, Sexton has made progress every year, so I do think he's going to get there to where he can be uh hopefully a plus starter whereas his offense is enough of a level that it offsets his defense especially if he gets better on defense too uh I mean, there's other questions here, though. I mean, Okoro has really done not much, right? Uh, defends competently, yeah. but uh, 
really underwhelming in other respects. So we we need yeah, to see six, more. Six point four PR, forty nine percent true shooting, twelve percent usage. That twelve percent usage and really below average efficiency. I mean, there's been a lot of rookies who have fallen into that. This is age twenty season, but yeah. And I do think he is, has given them something on the wing that they haven't had before. But it's also to say that this guy is going to be like a high level of starter. I understand why they drafted him where they did. He was probably the best prospect available at a position of need. But uh, to say, oh, this guy is a, a solid future starter for sure. I, it's tough to say that right now. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, I mean, twenty nine percent from three as well. By the way, yeah, yeah. Get, I mean, getting getting Allen is pretty exciting. I think because now now they have a way forward that doesn't involve just overpaying Andre Drummond. Yeah. And they should be able I I do think I don't think Grum is going to have a great trade market. I mean, we we saw last season the market for him was a second. I don't, I don't know why it would be different this time around. Fitting that 28 isn't going to be 28 million isn't going to be easy for everyone. Yeah. But I I do think there's a there's a potential market where they get something nance is a good player on a good contract for two more years uh the the kevin love contract is really the thing weighing them down right now yeah now when i had chris fedor on dunked on to preview the Cavs, the Cavs' argument is well that kevin love contract hasn't prevented us from doing anything that we wanted to do in free agency then again they basically like didn't sign anyone for the mid-level for like three years in a row because they were close because of the luxury tax exactly yeah yeah um yeah it's just i think it's hard for me to see how these guys get to be awesome on either end like your best case scenario for these guys is that darius garland and colin sexton turn into dame lillard and cj mccall that's your best case scenario absolute best the chances of that happening are very very small and even then you're you're kind of looking at an upside like that portland team like your defense is never going to be that good because you got those two small guards and that or your offense is never going to be that good because you've got to put a bunch of defenders around your two small guards yeah exactly exactly the the amino and harkless curse um all right uh, let me pick a team here Uh, the houston rockets yeah, I, I do not have them in the bottom tier, which before this season probably actually would be considered an upset. But like mm-hmm. they've actually been decent to watch this year. They Christian Wood has looked good as a young guy. I think they they now have replenished the coffers with the Harden trade enough that you can feel pretty decent about that. Uh, you know, they're not just like out so many picks going forward. Although uh, that's actually an interesting question. Do you think that they? have replenished the picks from the russell westbrook trade like are they better off having the brooklyn assets that they do and being out those picks or would you rather that they just hadn't traded any of those picks i think they're probably in a better spot uh, i think there's I'm more upside to, yeah i'm trying to think this through i mean it's because those were top four protected f- picks that they sent to okc and they're and they're only good for one draft so i yeah i think I think they left themselves in a pretty good position. I mean, they could have some really high-end outcomes on these Brooklyn picks that are... Brooklyn's just totally naked five years in a row, right? Six, six actually. Um, so... I think they're in a really good position with that. So I, I would, I would, I would take the Harden Hall way over the Westbrook Hall as I look at it. Yeah, I, I think that seems fair. And 
so I think they just have shown, you know, Tillman Fertitta, and I think we'll learn a lot more about what's going to happen for the Rockets this offseason, and maybe trading Karis LeVert for Victor Oladipo might augur what that is going to be. But despite Fertitta, I think that they've done a pretty good job of, at least so far, maintaining what Daryl Morey was doing. I think they've had some really nice transactions since uh, Rafael Stone took over. So I think that's a reason for optimism, and like, in the meantime, like they play hard they they've got guys like wood once he comes back from the injury john wall has been relatively exciting eric gordon actually has shown a pulse uh, yeah. this season despite yeah. uh a podcast partner of mine killing him at every possible opportunity <laughs> uh if i find that guy i'll look i'll give him what for <laughs> yeah i was talking about danny don't worry oh uh, well, that, well i was doing it too no so. no that's not true actually danny's pretty high on eric gordon but but in any event yeah so but he might even be movable at this point if he keeps playing well but again you you go back to where are the the stars they're just beginning this rebuilding process it's probably going to be and justifiably so a couple of years of pain after this although with wood and wall maybe they there won't be able to be that bad and i just have no idea what fertita wants at this point like is he gonna really have them race to the bottom and you know be at the salary floor the next couple of years and that's actually kind of a defensible strategy or is he gonna say no like screw you daryl morey and james harden i can still have a good team without you guys no. i really have no idea the answer unfortunately may be a mixture of both where he tries to stay at the salary floor but also get into the playoffs every year uh which obviously would be untenable so yeah, I, I mean, do, do you feel similarly about Houston, or should they be lower or higher? I think that's about right. I, I would have had them lower before the Harden trade. I think they yeah, got I, so much good stuff in the Harden trade that it, it positions them so well in the long term. And again, they can put some of those picks in play if an opportunity comes up before then. But I, I still think these next two years, regardless, they're probably just trying to tread water with, with Wall and Wood and, and Oladipo, maybe, uh, and, and basically just trying not to get their asses kicked. Uh, and and then they'll be further along. Those draft picks will start coming in, and they hopefully can build back up from there. Yeah, I think Steven Silas has looked pretty good so far as a coach as well. I would agree with that. So this is the team that I had in this year. We did these rankings. You know, I put them together over the a course of a week or so. So this is maybe like ten days old, mm-hmm. and I'm slightly regretting putting the Charlotte Hornets in this tier. I, I maybe there's a thought that they should be higher. I had Charlotte fifteenth. Oh baby! And, and I mean, it's entirely because of Lamelo. I mean, like he's he's really good, and he's on a trajectory. Like teenage rookies don't do this, okay? He's yeah. he's on a really impressive trajectory. Um, I'm actually writing about this for the Athletic on Thursday. Uh, so yeah, that is definite reason for excitement. And then I think there's some other secondary things. Like Jay Ferrego's pretty good coach, right? Like you know that's 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 a positive for these guys. Uh, I think they have a couple other younger players, or at least halfway decent. You look at PJ Washington, Miles Bridges. Uh, you know, you have Hayward, whatever he's going to be. I mean, he's under contract for three more years, and he's an, he's another good player. And their cap sheet is clean, even with him on the books. So I, I actually think they're in a they're in a pretty good space to get good. Yeah, I guess the question becomes really: Are they too good this year? Because they, they clear. I mean, they didn't sign Gordon Hayward to not push for the play in. Yeah, and they're starting to play well now. And you know, Hayward's playing it pretty close to an All Star level. He, he's been outstanding. Lamelo. I mean, I mean, that's to me probably 
the biggest reason to move them up is just like LaMelo Ball is probably one of the 10 most exciting players in the NBA right now. Yeah, yeah, yep. And, and, and to, to watch him evolve, I mean, he has just gotten so much better already since the start of the season. I mean, since I mean, since we did this a week ago, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, with him in the starting lineup now, uh, I, I think Charlotte's moved up. So, yeah, I, to, to me, Charlotte's at least mid-tier in, in this board. Yeah, I mean, it was unclear. Like, he's got to keep starting now, I think, the rest of the year. Like, there's no way they put him put him back to the bench and uh you know whether they start him at the three and or they just start bringing Devonte graham off the bench um now to me the situation reminds me of so much was when we had to start uh jaron jackson during his rookie year and once it was clear that he was okay in the starting lineup it was like okay that train has left the station like we're, we're never going back yeah um so yeah i I think you might have been prescient there and for me not that you were far behind but i think we were both pushing lamel a lot in the draft i think this has been and he's been better than i expected him to be even though i thought he was the clear number one overall yeah i agree with that i thought he was the number one pick because it wasn't a great draft and now you look at him and you compare him to other number one picks and you say no actually he's playing like just a he's playing like a number one pick like he you know compared to almost any year yeah you know he's actually starting to get to the foul line at kind of a league average rate but at you know as a ball brother that's actually that's (laughs) good to see and you know he's he's one of the best passers I mean, maybe the one thing to be concerned about is that perhaps his outside shooting has been a little bit over his head and a little bit lucky on that, but he's taken some pretty difficult attempts and he's, his finishing at the rim has really improved over the last month or so as well. And the defense has been better than expected. Just his overall coachability, ability to fit into a team has been way better. You know, that's yeah. something that a lot of people had concerns about given his long history and supposedly the interviewed really poorly and all this shit. But uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, you got to feel pretty good about that, I, you know, are we talking about him as a possible top 10 player in the nba maybe not but uh i'm not ruling it out exactly i i I don't know why you would rule that out at this point yeah and wherever that journey ends it's gonna be a shitload of fun which is something we haven't been able to say about the hornets for a long time exactly exactly so yeah I, i probably would move them up in retrospect at least to the top of this tier but maybe throw them into the tier that we ended with last week which was Memphis, New Orleans, Atlanta, OKC, Phoenix. That was kind of my up-and-coming teams tier from 14 to 18. I, I think you got a pretty good argument to throw them in there with the way LaMelo has looked. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, I'm going to do that right now. Just for posterity, Charlotte Hornets, you are now 19th on this list congratulations uh and uh toronto cleveland chicago houston you're all bumped down a little bit uh all right let's take a quick break here and then we can get into the bottom six this episode of hollinger and duncan is brought to you by 1010 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today using only diamonds responsibly and sustainably sourced from botswana 10 design masters have each produced a set of 10 uniquely beautiful diamond rings and they're available now exclusively at BlueNile.com. This exciting collection of truly unique limited edition diamond engagement rings is available now only at BlueNile.com. Sports fans, the biggest football betting day of the year is coming up this Sunday. There's only one place that has you covered, one place that we trust, that's BetOnline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at BetOnline.ag and use that promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus. You don't have to sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action and don't forget that promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% percent welcome bonus with your first deposit whatever you want to bet on bet online ag is your choice your online sportsbook expert okay 
where do you want to start here? So it seems like we're really in pretty good agreement that we've got six teams left here, and they have six really teams left, the and they are, and they are the same six. Yeah, yeah. Which of these is the most optimistic of those six as far as their future? Well, should uh, should we name them? Let, let's name them. Here. Right. We got the Knicks. Mm-hmm. We got the Knicks. The Wiz. The Kings. The Magic. The Wolves and the Pistons. Yes. Washington at least does have Bradley Beal, and apparently they're never ever going to trade him. So you can just assume you get to watch Bradley Beal for the next five years. <laughs> you lose a shitload of games, but you get to watch Bradley Beal. You let him score thirty-four a game for the next five years. So there, there are two ways to spin this. One is that they suck even with Beal, and they, and it's kind of a kind of depressing suck too. Um, the other is that they are sitting on something that if they ever come to their senses could get them enough assets that we would think of them in the same way we think of Houston right now, which is, okay, now they have this treasure trove of assets. They'll start the rebuild. They'll tank and get a high pick. Like they, they, They'll start this moving forward. But until they until they move Beal, it's... It's kind of depressing. I mean, yeah, you get to you get to see Beal and you get to see them lose one forty to one twenty eight. But man, I, well, I, and as much joy as Bradley Beal is going to give you, Russell Westbrook is yeah, well, going to take suck that it away. right right out. <laughs> yeah, 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 and then. Uh, you know, it just seems a little bit, they have young players and, but they, they kind of eat their young a little bit. I think like they're not even playing Troy Brown and Isak Bonga and the young players they do have aren't necessarily overwhelming talents. At least it appears. I mean, we'll see what Denny Avdia and Rui Hachimura can become, but they're kind of their trajectory so far is of kind of a, a whatever guy as opposed to somebody who's really going to lift the trajectory of the whole franchise. Well, and then you just throw in the owner too. Yeah, which is which is weird because the hockey team is so well run. But I, I yeah. know literally nothing about that. But but it's, it's it's been yeah it's it's been it's it's been a, a two decades in pursuit of mediocrity, right? Just can, yeah. can we please go forty and forty two and get the eighth seed? And that's just our our starting point for every decision in every off season. And yeah, uh, 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 yeah. I mean, it just seems like this this train is just continuing down the chat on a very gentle decline uh, towards sea level, but they're not starting from very high either. And that that's just never going to change. There just isn't that creativity. Now, if they get Masai Ujiri, as is rumored, then yeah. maybe things could, could change a little bit. But I, I mean, I think even what you're saying with Beal and the trade and stuff, the low chance of that happening, the fact that they still have Westbrook there, they don't really have any other good prospects. There are a bunch of other teams that will probably still have more draft assets even after they move Beal. Or, if, you know, let's say they trade him for Ben Simmons. Like, are you really are you that excited at that point? Does that change their ranking at all? I, I don't think so. And and you're still looking at two or three years of pain. And I don't have faith in their organization the way I would a OKC or New Orleans or even a Houston. Right. So I, I think it's just, you might want to say, yeah, Bradley Beal is the best player in this tier. And maybe they should be at the top of it. But it's uh, there's a reason I titled this here not much hope okay well so as i look at this i think the most hope uh is probably in sacramento yeah De'Aaron fox is the claim for being the best player in this group too but i i, I also don't want to be overreacting to them going seven and two lately with like a bunch of really super close wins i mean they still have i think like the 24th best net rating in the nba yeah at this point yeah and see, fox I... has been dominating lately but aside from that there's really 
I, I guess for Halliburton yeah. is the other you thing. Yeah, Fox and Halliburton going forward. You have a new front office. You can talk yourself into the idea that maybe things are different. Yeah, uh, um, I, I guess that's true. And I mean, at least... It's, it's a low bar with this group, right? Yeah, well, this is probably... Sacramento's probably the most fun to watch right now and going forward of any of these six teams. Yes. With Halliburton. Halliburton, everyone really enjoys him. And, and Fox, obviously. You know, Rashawn Holmes to get some dunks for you. Uh, their defense sucks, but they're, they'll get up and down. Um, it's just a question, again, of what the ceiling is, what the direction is. Uh, you know, what happened? Marvin Bagley is still kind of this weird albatross around their necks. Yep. Where they're, they're like... I mean, really, what they probably... And Buddy Heald is, too. I mean, I think if you, could, if you had... Fox at the one, Halbert at the two, Harrison Barnes at the four, the way he's playing, he's playing really well. He's having and a nice Rashawn year. Holmes. Yeah, Rashawn Holmes at the five, who unfortunately is a free agent after this year, but he's an important piece for them. If you had those four guys, and then you bring in, you know, another decent three, uh, who could maybe maybe score a little bit, you know, you might actually have some. That might actually be a playoff team. But Buddy Heald can't hit a shot this year. Bagley, they can't defend. He can't play center. They get lit up when he whenever he does that. They stop doing that now. He's keeping Barnes away from his best position. Um, the spacing is all cramped out because of that. So you kind of healed it, healed and Bagley. I mean, it doesn't really seem like those guys are going anywhere necessarily. And they're kind of, and, and you're not going to defend with, with healed and Bagley in the starting lineup. So if they really built the team around Fox and Halliburton and some other solid vets, I think they could move up this list. Yeah, I I feel like I'm just gonna like go to the go to the store one day or just like be in a parking lot or something and just like see Nemanja Belica just out like like what is he doing right now? Where is yeah, he? I, I mean, what, like, how, where'd like, he go? They would be better if they just played him instead of Bagley. Now, this, oh, absolutely. I mean, is it, yeah. it, now, I don't argue with that decision too much because Bagley still has some talent. They got to really give it a shot with him and, and see what's happening. But I I think we know the answer to that probably. Mm-hmm. So, and, and I mean, you know, there was a thought that he was going to be like this 20 and 10 guy. Like he's not even delivering with like the stuff that he was supposed to be good at, not to mention his weaknesses. Right. I thought he could at least give you empty calories, 20 and 10s. And and that hasn't really happened either. Yeah. It, it's like, you know, if I'm going to eat this entire bag of Oreos, I at least want it to taste good. Right. Like, yes, <laughs> yes. T- tomorrow, like I'm not going to have any energy or, or nutrition and I'm going to be fatter, but at least like it'll taste good when I'm eating it. Like he, yeah. it doesn't even tastes good when he's making shots like, and getting like rebounds. Eating, like eating an entire bag of liver flavored Doritos, right? <laughs> Not into the organ meats. <laughs> Um, yeah, well, I, yeah, I guess as a vegetarian, liver is probably just about like the worst thing you could possibly think of, huh? Yeah, it's right down there, I would say. So I'm sure that Knicks fans will probably be aghast that they are at this level. And and I I think they, they might have an argument that they should be like one spot, that they should be in the higher tier just because they're playing okay. They got some decent guys. They got a good coach. Like they got two extra picks in the future. Yeah. So they have a couple arguments for that. One, there's a new front office so there's some optimism um two they have cap space and they still have the specter of like free agents could actually come to new york who are good and and change their trajectory fairly quickly and and, and players seem to really like tips a lot actually as a possible free agent draw ironically enough yeah which is which is amazing because i guess i don't know maybe players who want short careers or targeting him or i don't i don't know but the uh in in all seriousness uh you can make a case for them to certainly be at the 
front of this group because of that, because, you know, they drafted quickly, looks like a keeper. Like there's, there are bursts of competence. You just know the reason they're down here partly ownership wise, you just know Dolan is going to come in here at some point and screw everything up. Uh, and it, it always seems like they have just so many voices and cooks in the kitchen there. And the the inability of this organization going back decades to stick with a plan uh, when something shiny is wiggled in front of their faces, I, I think really works against them here, especially when you have a coach who is so profoundly win now and seems to have some juice in the organization, as you see with the Rose trade. Yeah. Uh, so I, I thought that was... Uh, a not great omen. Uh, even though Rose is taking Austin Rivers minutes, it seems rather than quickly. Yeah, that makes me feel much better. Yeah. Like the, the first game they played him and quickly together, which it makes me feel better about that trade. Yeah, absolutely. But the the fact is, they gave up a second round pick to go in on this season when you know, like, okay, you're you're eleven and thirteen or whatever they were at the time of the trade, uh, mainly because of Jedi three point and free throw defense that is completely unsustainable. So I I just don't. I just don't see why this season is a season to shovel your assets toward. It's so funny. You said, oh, they keep going for the next shiny object and you can't rebuild in New York. And oh, by the way, they haven't even come remotely close to the playoffs since 2013. Yeah. Even even with this idea that they're, I mean, they, they really, I guess they really only did the go in on veterans one year when they like traded for Rose and they signed Noah, but that that obviously set them back immensely. So yeah, and, and I'm just not like I don't see a future All Star on this roster. Like at least Washington or Sacramento or even Minnesota have players who are much better than the best player in New York. Julius Randle's been okay. I don't see Barrett as a future All Star. You know, maybe Randle could sneak in one of these years. Probably not this year though, because yeah. The East is actually like pretty loaded all of a sudden with the All Star game. Yeah, totally is, totally is. Uh, um, yeah, but but I I put them at the top of this group. They do seem to be kind of going in the right direction, and uh, to to some degree, it's just you know where does that road actually lead you? And also another team that may be um suffering from being too good this year. Potentially, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, could could definitely hurt their pick because as you kind of want to get into the top five this year, it seems. So that leaves three, mm-hmm. and I think this would probably be my bottom three. That's Orlando, Minnesota, and Detroit. Uh, yes. Who who is the worst of those to you, as far as like who you'd want to be a fan of going forward? Man, I th- I think it's going to be hard to be an Orlando fan. Uh, yeah. You know, here's the thing: they're not that bad. They're competent. They're well coached. They yeah. you know they have Vooch, who's actually playing at an all star level even this year. So. It's not like they completely suck. There's just there's just nothing to get excited about. Like yeah. Now the fact that you actually have shown any kind of recent competence whatsoever that puts you in elite company in, in, <laughs> in this group. group. That's that's. But, I, I mean the fact that you actually like made the playoffs the last two year and yeah. and like if you got healthy with this group you could probably at least you know be in the play in. Um, maybe we're being too hard on Minnesota because Carl Anthony Towns basically just like hasn't played for the last year yeah. and they'll look a lot better when he gets back but i ownership is a massive problem in minnesota their books are completely clogged and d'angelo russell to me is i just can't stand watching him just from a personal standpoint just his lack of effort on defense and uh you know just you want to talk empty calories yeah uh, i mean there's uh there are three things really working against them in minnesota i mean four if you count ownership i guess but the the russell contract which is a sort of a continuation of the of the original sin of the wiggins contract um 
and the draft pick they gave up for the Russell contract. Uh, and then taking Culver and now Edwards in these two lotteries. I mean, we'll see what Edwards becomes. There's definitely an excitement factor. He still could become good. I mean, you still see these flashes, but he's been like overall, he's been pretty bad this year. And to take him over LaMelo, basically because you ha- already had D'Angelo Russell <laughs> as your as your tent pole. Yeah, that, I, I, I got news for you. LaMelo Ball is better than D'Angelo Russell right now. Right now. And it's not right even this close. Minute. And it's not it's, even yeah. close. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that was a slight, slight misevaluation there. And for everyone, it's like, oh, man, you know, Anthony Edwards, he really gives you these like Wiggins vibes. Uh, why don't you go compare Andrew Wiggins rookie stats to Anthony Edwards and get back to me? They would feel lucky right now if he was giving them Wiggins vibes. Yeah, yeah. His uh, his his numbers so far have been really unimpressive. Uh, so we'll 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 see where that goes against there are other players who have looked horrible as rookies who have turned out to be quite good but certainly yeah, it's it not a, it's it's not it's not off to a great start and then it's just such a soft underwhelming team all around like I, I'd, I'd like i would just have such a hard time being a fan of this team right now yeah i, I mean I, you know culver i guess plays hard like josh Kogi plays hard but those are those are bit players who can't score at all and, and i would say of these three teams I believe in Minnesota's management the least at this point. D- Detroit certainly raised a ton of eyebrows, uh, certainly on this podcast as well with their yeah. offseason moves, but they're actually like kind of working okay right now. Like Jeremy Grant actually looks pretty good. Like Plumlee has been acceptably decent there, and they still are bad anyway, but uh, at least they, I still feel better about them than Minnesota because they at least have flexibility going forward. Blake Griffin will come off the books, and uh, you know, I, I believe more in Troy Weaver than I do Gerson Rosas at this point. And ownership is not amazing in Detroit, but it's also not Glenn Taylor, who uh, sadly said the other day that it's not the right time to sell the team. <sighs> Yet again. Yeah, I mean, the, you know, the Pistons are, are the, the owner is the owner is willing to spend. Um, there, there are maybe some structural things in the way there in terms of how they're set up. But they the moves this offseason, Grant obviously has worked out, even though people like us didn't think it would. So credit to them. I still think they made a mistake letting C- Christian Wood out the door. Uh, sure. The, you know, getting a second for Rose, that was the right move. Uh, I think trading for DeLon Wright was at least somewhat helpful. The Hayes pick is probably the biggest thing working against them right now. Um, yeah, as, as, he was awful and now he's hurt. So that, yeah, I mean, just it, it, it's kind of looking until further notice, that's looking like kind of a zero with the number seven pick this year. Yeah. And again, we, we'll, we'll see, you know, some of these guys come around a little later, but we'll, uh, see where that goes i liked hayes coming in i think you were not as big a fan so uh you, you yeah. right right now you got the w on that one <laughs> um well i think the the biggest thing that could happen for pistons fans would be uh michael Tellum getting some good clients uh, over in europe <laughs> maybe someone a little bit better than uh Divitas Servitas. yeah that might uh, to, that might help <laughs> would you care to guess uh just off the top of your head, would you care to guess how many minutes Dervius Servius has played this year? Uh, is it is it exactly zero? Uh, no, he is uh, he is yet to hit a field goal. Okay, he has in fact played three minutes uh, on the season. He is zero for two from the field in three minutes. So at least he's getting them shots up when he gets out there. Okay, that's good. That's good. Two shots every three minutes. Okay, okay, that's a good ratio. Yeah, you see, that's a nice prospect there. <laughs> 
But at least they yeah. didn't give up two second rounders to get him. Uh, I thought they gave uh, up three. I want to say it was two, but in any event, it was. It was. Uh, it was like two to move up. I think it was. Okay. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe that's what it was. RockAuto.com is a family business. They've been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years now. If you're into working on your own car and truck, saving some money both in labor and on parts, go to RockAuto.com and you can shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Just put in the make and model of your car. It's everything from engine control modules to brake parts to tail lamp, motor oil, even new carpet. Their catalog is really easy to navigate and the prices are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. There's no reason to go to the auto parts store in person, especially these days, just to find out that they don't have your part and they're going to order it online the same way that you could with rockauto.com for a less expensive price and without going to the store. So go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car and truck right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com david harrison here the locked on washington football team podcast celebrating with you a 21 grain salute to a less boring sandwich thanks to dave's killer bread i don't know about you guys but when i eat pizza i eat it for the toppings not the crust and when i eat a sandwich it's for what's inside the bread not for the bread but when i throw a sandwich on 21 whole grains and seeds thin sliced bread from dave's killer bread it is the epitome of addition by subtraction that thin sliced bread lets me focus on what's inside the sandwich but also adds to the sandwich with killer taste killer texture killer nutrition a subtle sweetness and a seed coated crust dave's killer bread is america's number one organic bread for a reason it tastes so stinking good dave's killer bread is made with the highest quality organic and non-gmo ingredients and is power packed with whole grains fiber and protein visit daveskillerbread.com to learn more and look for dave's killer bread in the bread aisle of your local grocery store um so i i think i still would have to have detroit last just because carl anthony towns is pretty good and minnesota will look a little bit better at, at some point and you know carl towns is like a fun guy to watch play to me at least on, on the offensive end but um, I, I also feel like that works against them, though, right? Because the fact that Towns is there, they're like locked into this strategy of we have to keep ourselves in a position to try to win, to keep Towns happy so he doesn't demand a trade or leave in 2024 or whatever. And it's it sort of forced themselves to paint them in the corner that they're now in. And they're just going to be they're just going to stay on this treadmill until until the point where Towns is. Probably- well, oh, oh. No, maybe Minnesota should be last because they're out that fucking pick. Next year, yeah. We haven't yeah. even talked about that yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, no, it's funny you mentioned the original sin of the Wiggins contract. I was like, there's about four different ways you could have gone for original sin. There there was the uh, original sin of the Gorgie Jang contract, which became James Johnson, which now is Rubio, who's under contract for another year, and now they can't sign anybody in free agency next year. Uh, you know, there's the original sin of... We got to placate Carl Towns, so let's. Uh, we can't get D'Angelo Russell in free agency, so now let's trade a bunch of stuff to get him. I mean, there's uh, quite the catalog there in Minnesota. So, um, so who, who is last for you? Is, what's your uh, between Orlando, Minnesota, and Detroit? I think I got to put Minnesota last. I, 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 I could make a case for Orlando. I, I don't think Detroit should be last. I think there's actually there's there's there, there's enough to watch there for at least the next couple of years the, uh, there's at least and, and at least there's like a hope that the organization might be competent yeah whereas we know that the organization in minnesota is not competent. that yeah that's one of the biggest things it's just you know you know in minnesota that's just the, it's just gonna be coach, what it is yeah. their coach also 
is, I mean, I, I don't want to say he's bad, but he's certainly not good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, he'd, he'd probably be at the bottom of our coach rankings again, as he was last year. He hasn't done anything to change that. Yeah, I would agree with that. I that That's going to be a really interesting thing. Uh, that's kind of the next test, I think, for the Roses regime is, is what they do about that over the next six months, shall we say? Um, yeah. Because, it, and... And whether Taylor lets them bring in their own coach or not. Yeah, I mean, because that might be the last bullet uh, already that they... I mean, if the team gets sold, you have to imagine that it's going to be cleaning house. But, you know, Glenn Taylor wants them to not... That's part of why he can't sell the team, because he wants them to, to like, have all these, like, um, <laughs> post, post hoc... Attach uh, all these searches. strings to it, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So this will be a perfect companion to what we were just talking about. Mm-hmm. It is time to rule a team out of the 2021 playoffs. Uh, we last did this on January 20th, so almost a month ago, actually. Wow, okay. Uh, or I guess 30 days ago. And I ruled out the OKC Thunder. Mm-hmm. And you presciently ruled out the Minnesota Timberwolves. Which is unfortunate because I was hoping I could pick them today. But I can't <laughs> because I already did. Yeah. Well, OKC, I mean, they're, they're what, 10 and 13 right now? So they're, they're they are, making me make me sweat a little bit, but yeah. not that much because their point differential is like third worst in the league. They're, they're going to regress and they're going to trade guys. I still feel comfortable there. Yeah. So um, I will go first, though, okay. and pick the uh, Eastern Conference Cellar Dweller Detroit Pistons. Really? D- okay. Despite despite a rousing win over the Brooklyn Nets, I just they're just not going in that direction. They they have the worst record in basketball. I think they do, right? Uh, I think they uh, hang on. They're six and eighteen. What's Minnesota? They're tied for the worst record. Six and eighteen. Uh, yes. Detroit and Minnesota. Oh yeah, I guess I do still have Minnesota on the board too. But uh, I still you know the the six net rating with Carl Anthony Towns. There's I mean obviously I would feel very comfortable picking either of these teams but i will go with the detroit pistons here really okay you know they played the league's toughest schedule so far killian hayes is coming back in march that's that would be so but the other thing they they also just traded derrick rose the the other thing i was going to say is yeah they without hayes for a while they're you know they do have an opportunity to rack up some wins here before he comes back yeah Uh, but it it just seems it, it you just know what the direction is here though right like i think that's what it what it comes down to is that they're not going to be pushing they tra- they wouldn't have traded rose they're going to be pushing and minnesota you is going to be pushing so. and there's a chance some of these uh good stories from the early season cool off a little bit like especially you know is jeremy grant going to keep shooting this well uh i think that's at least a question uh wayne ellington certainly would be in the same boat so yeah another possible trade candidate as well for sure yeah yeah yeah, probably another guy they get a second round pick for and would likely seek to do so, uh, especially since he's somewhat blocking Svi Mikhailiuk right now. So who are you going to pick then after all this? So I'm actually on the fence between two teams here because I, th- I think Orlando actually has been more depressing in a lot of ways. And yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that they were certainly in the mix for me as well. I don't think they're going to put any assets in play to try to salvage this season, certainly. And they could be another team where they look to sell in terms of Evan Fournier, right? Who's going to be a free agent. I think they have to look at that. I think you're going to hear Aaron Gordon's name come up. I don't know if they're going to look to move him or not. Uh, you know, that Fultz is out for the whole year. They're playing Cole Anthony and uh, two-way guy Frank Mason. And it seems like that's just what they're going to go with, right? So it's, it's hard to get... Super excited. Like they're nine and 16, and Vucevic has played every single game. 
So yeah, I, I mean, and, I think there's a pretty clear bottom four between OKC, Detroit, Minnesota, and Orlando. Yeah, I think everyone else, you know, then you you got to start getting into like Cleveland or Chicago or Sacramento or something. Um, but yeah, so so who's your pick then? You go. You I'm going to go with or? Orlando. Yeah, I mean, they're yeah. 29th in net rating, and I just I just don't see how it gets better. I mean, you know, okay, Al Farouk Amino is coming back from injury. That's <laughs> let's turn this baby around. Like I just don't I just don't see what what piece is coming in that can that can change things um yeah and how long can he hold out against the curse of the magic power forwards anyway <laughs> he's he's dealing with forces far more powerful than he right yeah i mean god that is that has just been an absolute horror movie so far but yeah all right well that that'll do it then okc and detroit this is interesting actually you and i have no overlap which yeah, is amazing. But I, right? I think we'll we'll start to get some the yeah, next time. We're gonna start picking each other's teams now. <laughs> yeah. So um what did you write about for the athletic this week before we go? So I wrote about the Utah Jazz and how they have established themselves as a legit championship contender, and Rudy Gobert is a stealth MVP candidate. Uh and I wrote a little bit about the Derrick Rose trade as well. Uh, and then coming up, as I mentioned, uh, possibly by the time you listen to this, uh, going to be writing about LaMelo Ball in Charlotte. Yeah, it, it, you said it had a, a line in your piece about Utah that if this isn't a championship contender, I don't know what one looks like. That, that's going to be a, a subject to disagree. We don't have time to get into it here, but I think I, I have a feeling they're going to be pretty good throughout the rest of this regular season. And that'll be a, a subject of contention between us then uh, as we go forward here. All right. Contention. I like it. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much, everyone, for listening and we'll be back next week. We'll talk to you all then. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.